Hello, welcome to episode seven of the State Champs Extra Inning Podcast for the state of Michigan. Alongside Lamphere High School head coach Adam Woolley, I'm your host, Rob Mendeika. This week, we take a look into the importance of the mental aspect of the game and how it can be just as important, if not more important, than the physical component of the game of baseball. But before that, let's take a few moments to acknowledge our sponsors who are here to support us as we look to grow the game of high school baseball across the state of Michigan. State Champs Michigan Extra Innings Podcast is presented by Lawrence Technological University. Recruit yourself to one of two dozen varsity-level sports, including baseball, at Lawrence Tech. Simply log on to ltuathletics.com and click the Recruit Yourself link. Extra Innings is also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. The MHSAA is in need of officials, so go to mhsaa.com for more information on becoming an official. Not only is it a great part-time job that pays, but it's a way for you to stay connected to the game or games you love. Support the kids and give back to the community while getting paid. Information is just a whistle away. Go to mhsaa.com slash officials. The pros at the Detroit Medical Center's Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine want you to check out our Game Changer segments with helpful injury prevention and recovery tips. Find them on our State Champs YouTube page or on our website, statechampsnetwork.com or on the State Champs Michigan social media channels. And for immediate access, go to dmc.org slash gamechangers. And last but certainly not least, well, we can't forget the Detroit Athletic Club Foundation's Male and Female High School Athlete of the Year Awards. The state's elite athletes will be honored with a red carpet gala on Monday, June 14th at the incredible DAC in downtown Detroit. Mark your calendars now. It's less than a month away. State Chance will be streaming the event live, so make sure you have those notification bells ringing. You can see this year's nominees by heading over to DACathleteoftheyear.com. And Rob, let's pass along to all the listeners a very special thank you to the Michigan High School Baseball Coaches Association. The MHS BCA works tirelessly to promote the game of baseball by creating opportunities for coaches to connect and stay informed through clinics, social media, and incredible events like the annual high school all-star game and Hall of Fame inductions, which is just around the corner. In fact, the um, the applications for player nominations were due Saturday. So there's mm-hmm. more information on the game itself now. And to stay connected, go to the website at mhsbca.org. That's www.mhsbca.org. Also, if you guys want to know uh, the dates and times and all that good stuff, go back and listen to episode six of this podcast, and you guys can get the rundown uh, from Dan Samini himself, all the rundown from the game information, where it's going to be, what time, all that good stuff. Uh, Dan was very gracious with his time last week, so we really appreciate him hopping on. Uh, But, well, let's do what we do best here, and let's get to some game summaries. Let's do it. We are ready to roll on the game summaries here. And uh, sorry, Rob, was no. uh, actually lost my place on. No, you're, no, you're good. I, we, I think we got OAA in the Mac Red matchup. Yeah, that's right, OAA. We have yep. the OAA Mac Red matchup on Saturday. Dakota down Stony Creek ten to four and twelve to nine in a doubleheader. Offense was at a premium on Saturday. And Zach Hager, he had a big day for the Cougars. He tallied three hits and two RBI in the opener. Uh, In Gross Point South, the Notre Dame Prep Fighting Irish took home the Gross Point South tournament victory going 3-0 on the day. The Irish moved through New Haven 13-0. St. Clair 11-1 before edging out south 5-2 in the championship. So a big weekend for them. Wow, that's that is extremely impressive, especially with St. Clair. St. Clair is a really uh, perennial favorite over there. On Friday, they have some unique matchups as well. Country Day uh, was uh, playing host to Oxford. They actually beat them 4-3. The game ended in an interesting fashion as Danny McLean was hit by a pitch with the bases loaded, scoring Tyler Inge to end the game. 
Saborn Campbell and Anthony Migliaccio both homered for the Yellow Jackets. That's interesting. I'm, I'm going to ask you about this game here back here in a second once we get to our main topic of the show because that, that's an interesting, I think, tie-in to the main topic of our show today. But before we do that, let's talk the annual Friday Night Lights game day at Avondale. My Lamphere Rams overcame a 6-2 deficit en route to a 9-6 W over the host Yellow Jackets. K.J. Whitman and Dylan Chargo each had two run homers, while Aiden McGinnis notched his sixth win of the season, throwing three scoreless innings for Lanphier. Reese Betts pitched a solid three innings for Avondale and notched a pair of hits. So what did you want to know about the Country Day game? Well, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, if you're a team, if you're a team like that, right, close game, you know, you get hit by a pitch, that's how you lose it. What is your message to your team if you're in that situation? Because it's not like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's one pitch and it's yeah. over. Well, I mean, the, the bottom line is, you know, you you have the opportunity to, you know, put somewhat of that control in your own hands, so to speak, if you're the pitcher. And it's just frustrating because you don't like to have something that is, you know, not really earned, I guess. I, I mean, yeah. you can accidental. It's accidental. Yeah, it is. It's just, you know, if you're trying to pitch inside, it's one thing and you come in just a little bit too tight. But I mean, the game is the game. And when the bases are loaded like that, your room for error is so small. Yeah. And obviously... Um, you know, this pitch ran in. Danny McLean's a tough kid. He's going to stand there and take it and do yep. anything he can for his team. So, A, it didn't surprise me when I saw the name of who it was. But, B, you're right. I mean, that can be a little bit taxing. And you know what? We'll get to that a little bit more when we dive into the mental aspect of the game mm-hmm. because those are the things that, as a coach, you don't want to stew about because right. ultimately, once that pitch just lets go from the pitcher's hand and, you know, hits the fingertips, yep. honestly. There's a lot of elements that affect it, and and unfortunately for uh, Oxford, it's just one of those situations where you'd rather see the ball be put into play rather than you know that kind of thing being the walk off, so to speak. So yeah, tough sure. break, tough break for the Wildcats, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, coach, I know we got some news about some COVID uh, testing going on. Can you kind of fill us in on where where we're going with that as far as the MHSA is concerned? Yeah, Rob, definitely. They came out this weekend. Timing was a little bit weird. Four thirty, very much so. I know it's so weird, Um, but there is big news regarding masks and COVID testing. Um, Let's talk talk masks first. Um, They're no longer required for any outdoor activity, including um, outdoor spring contact sports. So for instance, my son plays lacrosse. He was very happy to be able to (laughs) to run around with that, with with a mask on. He can breathe. While an individual might elect to wear a mask, it's no longer a requirement. So also there was an effect on kids who are quote unquote fully vaccinated. And I know you have more information on that. Why don't you tell everybody about the fully vaccinated individuals, what that means? Yeah. So for fully vaccinated individuals, uh, face masks are no longer required during indoor activities either, which is, which is huge for some sports as well. The MHS or MDHH. HS, wow, MDHHS, let's try that six times fast, is defining full vaccinated as 14 days after the single dose of Johnson & Johnson, the second dose of the Moderna or Pfizer vaccines. Uh, Fully vaccinated individuals are no longer need to undergo weekly COVID testing. So that's another, I'm sure, huge positive. They're trying to do anything they can to get as many people vaccinated as possible. So big news coming out uh, for the entire state, quite frankly. So that's really important too. Fully vaccinated is 14 days. And people really had to adhere to that because I had a couple of players last week get their second dose and they were mm-hmm. like, Oh, I don't have to be COVID tested anymore. Like, that's, that's not true. true. Right. So there is still no change in the May 15th order to the weekly testing requirement. So that means that non fully vaccinated individuals. And again, fully vaccinated means you have waited the 14 day window. So let's say hypothetically, 
It is the 16th. You got your uh, shot on the second. You are now considered to be fully vaccinated. But if you are not, mm-hmm. you still must get the weekly required testing. And that's going to run through May 31st. Right. So there's Which, a little incentive for you to go get the vaccination. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And that's important, though, for for teams and coaches who think that they're something got a kid out of the weeds that they, oh, they just got it a week ago. Make sure it's that full 14 day window, because that's the that's the key here. Um, there's also no change too in the spectator limit. So that's another part of it, too. So uh, other than the fact that masks are no longer required for outdoor people to be, you know, to be there and all that good stuff. But there's still, you know, no change in that regard as well. So grandma and grandpa, all those people come on out uh, with those guidelines out of the way, though. Let's let's get to the main focus of this week's show. Uh, This week is all about the mental approach to baseball. I understand this has had a major impact on both you, your players in the program. So let's take a deeper dive into this philosophy, Coach. Just me and you today, but I I think you're the perfect person to kind of walk through this. So first question, when we say the mental approach to baseball, what do we mean? Because I think when you say that, it's easy to say, and they say it on the pros, I say it on MLB Network and all that stuff, but what does that mean? So Looking back and rewind, there was um, a couple of pioneers in this field. And we're talking, you know, as long back as 25, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. Harvey Dorfman was one of the names who was cutting edge at this. Dr. Tom Hansen was another person, um, you know, who was really uh, on the cutting edge of, of the mental approach of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, these guys helped pioneer a way of thinking that people really started to take notice of. Dr. Ken Revisa, he was another person. Um, you know, who really kind of led the way in this thing. So when we talk about the mental approach of baseball, it's truly, you know, there's that old quote about, um, you know, with uh, Yogi Berra, the game's 90% mental and the other, you know, whatever, right. whatever he said. And the crazy part about it is that the mental approach to baseball, in my opinion, is if not the most important thing, it's got to be up there at one of the highest standards. And I'll explain to you the reason why as we go along these lines and these questions. But um, when we talk about it, a mental approach, there's really a a broad range of of things that we can do as coaches to implement these things. Mm -hmm. But there's also practices and and literal drills that we can use that we can help guide our players through. And as you alluded to, um, I really bought into this in around 2016 into 2017. I had found myself as a coach sputtering and looking for something to do. Um, to change not only just the way I approach the game, but my culture of my program in general. Right. And it was a podcast that I was listening to, not much unlike this. It was a guy named Brian Kane, and he started talking about some of these uh, mental approaches. And Brian Kane's podcast, I'll vouch for it right now, is one of the best podcasts that you can listen to. Very motivational, but also incredibly practical for coaches. And it just allowed me to start to seek out information. That allowed me to deal with everything from mm-hmm. player issues, parent issues, things that were happening within the game. And then most importantly, when you start to teach this stuff to your players, mm-hmm. you can actually see them uh, start to use some of these practices within the game. You That's the thing I kind of want to follow up on, right, is the, is the player buy-in a little bit, right? Because it, I think – 
you know, as you've alluded to in the past, right, you, you know, the program has ebbs and flows. There's years where you're reloading. There's years where you, you think, okay, we've got the district. There's other years where you're kind of just, hey, we are what we are. But getting the kids to buy into that, how important is that? And is it, does it, it has to start with you, I'm assuming, right? Where if you have to believe it, you have to apply those principles before you pass them on to the team. But how important is it in that buy-in and how hard is it to get kids to buy in? Maybe if the results on the field aren't necessarily what you want it to as well. Cause that, that's another thing. It's easy when you're winning, but maybe when those wins aren't coming. So it's interesting that you bring this up because baseball has kind of changed over the years and has become now more of a specialized sports uh, sport. I really believe that a lot of our players are suffering from paralysis through analysis. And what I mean by that is they have a swing coach, they have a pitching coach, they have a weight training coach, they have a nutrition coach. And they're being fed all of this information. And then you get your high school coach coming in and he starts talking about the mental game. And what I I really have tried to do is try to just add that component as almost like the base or the framework of what we're trying to put together as a a program as a whole. Because Mm -hmm. when you start to struggle, most of it is up here in the brain, right? It's the thing that starts to... It's that little voice inside of your head that starts to talk to you. And then you always hear people talk about, you know, the game speeding up on them or slowing the game down. Well, if you don't have that kind of mental fortitude to be able to slow the game down, the game will speed up on you and it'll lead to to physical mistakes simply because of some of the mentality that you're going through. So your question was, how do you get buy-in? Well, you have to, the first thing you have to do as a coach is you have to live it and you have to buy into it on your own. Okay. So seeking out information and and we already alluded to one of those things, I would highly recommend um, the, the mental peak performance podcast by Brian King as a starting point for a ton of, you know, for a ton of information for coaches. That's, that's the first place. Another guy who is really big into, you know, having guests on, is um, Jeremy Sheetinger. He hosts um, uh, the podcast uh, that he has as well. And he has a a ton of guests on that really kind of helped me navigate and and listen to some guys who are way more expert into implementing this stuff and helping me put it into my program. Mm -hmm. So he had, like like I said, Dr. Ken Revisa on, um, Alan Yeager. Um, People know what the Yeager bands are. These are these these bands that the kids use to warm up with. But Alan Yeager also has a ton of information on the mental game of baseball. So what I started doing was I started putting in some of these ideas first. That was, you know, some of the simple things that we could implement right away. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that we really tried to make um, as, a, as a foundation for our program were what we called signal lights. Okay. So everybody knows what we do at a red light. We know what we should be doing at a yellow light and then we <laughs> what a green light is. Right. Right. And so, the signal light was one of the, the first foundational uh, approaches that we put in from a mental standpoint back in 2017. And I literally wrote it up on the lineup card, red light, yellow light, green light. And I used different markers to put it in. Mm-hmm. What that meant is this. And Rob, I know you can, you can associate with this, yeah. having played the game yourself. Let's say you're up there at bat, right? And the pitcher, you're in, a, you're in an OO count. You're expecting fastball. You're sitting on it kid breaks off a deuce. You look like an idiot swinging at a ball in the dirt. Right. And next thing you know, your head's sitting there going, Oh my God, why did I swing at that? You know, right. what, what is he going to pitch to me next? And all those voices in your head mm-hmm. literally take you out of 
the focus of what you're trying to accomplish. And so when you implement things like the signal lights, what that does is it takes you from what we call a green light moment. We mean, hey, let's go. We're ready to go here. And you got to shift yourself back when you feel that game starting to spin out of control. So red light moment occurs. There's a couple of different things. We started to use it first at the plate because of exactly something like that. Right. And so when that red light moment comes out, you just give a time signal to the umpire, realize that you're in a red light moment, do something like adjust your batting gloves, right? Mm -hmm. Grab the bat, take a deep, long inhale, mm -hmm. long exhale, and you slow it down and you literally look at the barrel and you barrel focus is what we call it. Hey, okay. see the barrel, take a minute. And that slows everything down. The breathing helps to send oxygen to your brain, to your extremities, slows your heart rate down, right. and it gets your focus back on, on plane. And so what you've done now is you've shifted from a red light moment into a green light moment where now you're ready to go. So right. instead of all those voices in your head, you're focused on the task at hand. It, it basically shifts your focus from, oh my God, what am I doing wrong? I got to get a hit. I got to do this. I got to do it. No, no. I got to realign my focus and trust the process of my training. And that's what happens when you start to buy into some of these things. Yeah. I mean, you can hear the coach speak, which is funny. Like you say it, like as you're going through that process, I can, I can imagine sitting in that huddle, right. Or sitting in the dugout or listening to you while I'm up to bat, like, Hey, red light. And okay, let me take a time, you know, and focus in just a little bit. Right. And I think that's so important is, is the adaptation, right. And to break it down nice and slow. Was it a, was it a phased approach for you? And, and is that something you'd recommend to other coaches where you can't just all of a sudden say, Hey, all right, guys, this week, mental approach, we're just going to hammer it home and, and apply these principles. But is, is it a phased approach? Okay. That's, you know, the red light, you know, like green light. Okay. That's going to be the first thing. That's something we can live by. That's our foundation. But just like with anything else, you have to go deeper with it. Are there other techniques or things that you've adopted um, as you kind of go on later into the into these years where you go, okay, that's that's something we build off of. That's our core foundation now. But what else have you guys tried to implement since then? So if you, we, we, I alluded to uh, Alan Yeager and he has a, yeah. a ton of great stuff. I mean, literal scripts for coaches yeah. that if you implement this and you take, he has stuff that's 25, 35 minutes long and you'll mm -hmm. see teams that, are buying into this thing, mm -hmm. really practice this for that, that amount of time. Yeah. Truth be told, Rob, I don't have that kind of time in my pregame. Yeah. I do have yeah. practice and we do take a little bit longer with it, yeah. but yeah. it's really interesting. What we do pregame is we take a five minute period before we get into that traditional throwing and stretching type right. of a mode. So let's say we have a 430 start and we begin to do our stretching and throwing at 330, which is pretty typical for us. Right. At the 330 mark, we're going to devote a solid five minutes. And I, and, and some people will argue with this, but again, college coaches, they have a lot more time than high school coaches do. Right. We take a solid five minutes. And the first thing that we do is I have the players lay down on the ground. They can lay in whatever fashion they want. They can lay flat on the ground. They can lay mm -hmm. whatever's going to make them comfortable. But I also have them close their eyes. Uh, one of the techniques I do is I have them, I have them put a hand on their belly Mm -hmm. so that they can feel the, the, the wind coming in and out of their diaphragm. Mm -hmm. And we start with simple breathing. So it's literally like mm -hmm. a minute long of getting in touch with your breath. That has a meditative practice to it. And yeah. the science is bore out that when you breathe, oxygen flows to the brain, oxygen goes to the heart, oxygen mm -hmm. goes to all the extremities, 
and you become calmer as a result of that type of breathing. You right. can slow your heart rate. Then I'll get, you know, I'll speak for about 10 to 15 seconds. And then I give them a 45 seconds of solid breathing and that starts to calm everything down. Right. Then we transition into minute two with relieving themselves of stress or anxiety. So it's literally picturing whatever it is that's stressing them for the day, tests, girlfriends, mom and dad, prior performance, anticipation of who they're facing for the day, right. getting in touch with their breath, but also acknowledging that anxiety, but figuring out ways to get rid of it. And this is really important as well. Yeah. You've got to have as a coach, a visual and audio reference for these guys to be able to take things and metaphorically throw them away. Right. So yeah. for certain kids, it might be looking at a part of the dugout where they can go to the corner, get rid of it, toss it, you know, think of a bathroom flushing, whatever it is, right. and allow them to get rid of that anxiety. Mm -hmm. And then what I start to do is I start to transition them into more of a positive mindset. I use the term lanes for them. Okay. So minute, this is if the minute three, there's no joke. Yeah. Right? yeah. We're in a minute three and we're, and we're talking about lanes and I'll say, okay, hitters, I want you to think about highways coming at you as a ball coming down, you know, the plane. And I want you to figure out what's the perfect highway that you see that ball on a plane coming at you, you know, and they can start to visualize where the ball is in their minds and what successes that they have. And the same thing with pitchers, visualize yourself throwing that perfect strike. How did it feel? Was it effortless? Were you laboring? What, you know, were you just in that zone of where you can like see yourself begin to perform? And it, it really does wonders because in your mind's eye, it, it starts to have you view successes, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really important for people to begin to, to believe in that yeah. and have them uh, really, really buy into that. Mm -hmm. Then, um, you know, we, we start to, again, return to the breath and get them back into, you know, preparing themselves for that particular game. And I literally will walk away and allow them to just be for one full minute, one minute and a half, you know, yeah. whatever that case is. And, and it does seem like it's a long time. And what that does is that just lets them unload the stress for the day. Right. It calms them down. You know, surprisingly enough, by me talking myself through it as a coach, it calms me down too. Right. Because as a coach, I was guilty of being like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, right. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't play baseball that way. That, right. that will not sustain over the course of time. So it really, what, what the majority of guys, the feedback has been hey, coach. I love it. It gets me going. Mm -hmm. um, I really, I, I love doing it. Thank you for teaching me that kind of thing. Now, listen, we all know there's going to be some guys that just think that you're just, full of crap. Right. They think it's like voodoo. And right. they're not going to buy into it. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not spending my time worrying about that. And seriously, I'm going to say something kind of a little crude here. Yeah. But when they're in a relaxed mode, and this has happened at yoga classes and stuff like that too, yeah. a kid might fart. All right. I'm sure. <laughs> and they might start to laugh just like yeah. you do. Right. If the coach reacts to that and is like, you know, who the hell's farting and doing right. this? And right, right. Now you've undermined everything. Right. So if you do catch wind, no pun yeah. intended, yeah. of that kind of thing, you got to really just acknowledge, hey, this part of the relaxation process is going right. to letting it go. Yep. Yep. Because you, you don't want to feed into that type of negativity. That type of negativity is the type of stuff that we're going to get. And then guys are going to realize that, okay, even though 
I might be disruptive to this process. It's still a process that this coach wants to go through. And right. I'm gonna I'm gonna toe the line, so to speak. So you don't have to get worked up about that kid who's not buying in. Yep. That's not trust me, it's not gonna help them. So right. you know, if they don't want to partake in something that's actually gonna benefit them, then that's mm-hmm. on them. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not something that you can force down somebody's throat. No, absolutely. Right. You have to have the buy-in. Right. And it, and it comes from, you know, I think it's a combination of just understanding. And I think a lot of times too, that's, that's the big thing, right? It's just an explanation of, well, why are we doing this? Cause I can picture already, right. You know, a group of 20 kids just laying on the ground going, coach, this is dumb. Right. But it's once you see it, once you put it into practice and once you take it seriously, it's just like anything else, right. It's, you know, do you take BP? You know, right. yes, you do. Do you take, you know, your bullpen sessions? Yes, I do. It's the same. It's just another drill in some, in some regards, right? Talk to me a little bit, though, about maybe some misconceptions about this, right? Because I think a lot of times when I say the phrase, the mental approach, you automatically, I think some people jump to the, well, that means you got to be happy no matter what, or you have to be composed no matter whether you strike out, you go for five with five Ks, whether you hit into double plays, whether you get rocked and you pitch for half an inning, right? You know, are there misconceptions that maybe people kind of associate with the phrase mental approach? Because I feel like a lot of times it's we go to an extreme with it. So, you know, all that being said, um, man, I wish I was like the Dalai Lama. I wish that everything that I could, you know, run into that gave me issues, I would just cope with. But now I will tell you, I have improved. There's no question. about (laughs) it. But do I still slip into moments where I have exacerbated body language or, mm-hmm. you know, negative thoughts and negative language and everything else. Yeah, there are. Of course. Um, the thing that's better for me is I've learned to control it to a point where it's not embarrassing for me or my team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not embarrassing for the player. I, I will tell you this. Um, and I think my guys will vouch for it. There is no like um, physical thing that our players will do that I get on them and berate them for. So let's say you miss a sign and you steal a base and you get thrown out. I'm right. not like, what do you think you're doing? Right. Right. But that's part of the training. Right. I've, I've learned to take that in stride and cope with it and figure out ways that I can deal with it so that my team's not going to fade off of that negative, negative energy. And mm-hmm. so to your point regarding misconceptions, no, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. In fact, most kids, most players, most professionals, are going to get frustrated with performance regardless. Of course. So what the mental training does, though, is it gives you uh, the tools to deal with a game that's solely based in failure, which Mm -hmm. baseball is. Right. Then it teaches you real practical things. So, for instance, I know that there's a couple of collegiate teams that literally in their bat rack, they'll have a tiny toilet that they bought on Amazon. And the coach will say, you come back from the at-bat, right? Mm-hmm. You go and you grab the toilet and you flush the negative right. on the drain and you can see or just look at it. Right. For sure. Yeah. And that's right. your visual representation of, OK, yep. I got to get rid of that garbage. For it's, sure. It's got to be flushed out of my system. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, obviously, we don't have a toilet that we can hold up or anything. Right. Like that. <laughs> but what I teach my guys to do, mostly this happens because we already talked about it at the bat. Yeah. When we're in the field and we make an error, when we're pitching and things just are not going right. I tell them at the beginning of the day, find your center, find the thing out here that's going to be right. That's going to be your go-to. So mm-hmm. I've told them there's been times where I've been pitching batting practice, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden my arm goes wonky on me, and I can't find the strike zone, or I'm hitting the kid on accident, right, and then right. got to throw too hard, right. but I can't get it. They oftentimes will see me turn around physically on the mound, walk to the back of the mound, 
and I stare directly at the 370 marker and I get, I say to myself, you're in a red light moment right now. This has nothing to do with you doing this physically. Right. Breathe, throw a strike. You got this, throw a strike. And then I immediately snap back into my green light moment and I'm right. ready to go again. And lo and behold, you know, more times often than not, mm-hmm. that ball is going to be directed at or near home plate. And the same thing goes because look, we're all performers out there. Yeah. And that entire thing's a stage. And the last thing we want to do is embarrass ourselves or make ourselves look bad. Absolutely. But that's going to, that's going to happen. And right. you've got to find the measure of being able to get back to that good place so that you can put on your best performance. Right. You talked a little bit about, you know, not getting upset when it comes to a physical flaw, right? Or a physical mistake, right? And so how do you walk that balance though between the, the mental side of it where you, you know, you're like, okay, that, you know, if we have an error because we're not focused, right? You can tell like, okay, you're not, you weren't ready. You weren't ready to go. Like you're not in position to go, right? As compared to, you know what? He just let it sail a little bit on him for, right. for whatever reason, right? How do you walk that balance between A, knowing which one it was and B, also not getting to the point where you're going to overreact, but also not underreacting to something? Is it because, is it almost like you have to see the pattern or is it just, you're just so in tune? I, I'm not a high school baseball coach, so I'm not with these guys every day, but in my own coaching experience, you can tell when kids are having a bad day or you can see it. Is it the same for you or is it, is it still a fine line that you have to walk between being overly aggressive and under aggressive and, and, you know, and making sure there's a balance there. No, to your point, it a hundred percent goes into reading body language, reading players and knowing them personally. That's why you know establishing a personal relationship with guys is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. They come to the ballpark having a C day or an F day, you know, right. like for grading it out. Yeah. And your, your job is sometimes how can you play an A game with C stuff, right? How can right. you get to that point? <laughs> right. And so that that happens a lot more often than not. I think as a coach, you got to be keenly aware of what your players are doing and and seeing that difference. So give yep. you a concrete example of that. Let's say it's a ball that's hit to your shortstop and he, in his preset for everything, he's come out glove up. He's gotten into his one, two step. Mm-hmm. He charges the ball correctly, gets that ball in his hand. And as he goes to throw it, he just lets it fly on on accident. Right. That, that's a hustle error. That's right. not that is not a mental error. Mm-hmm. OK versus the other night I had to tell my uh, third baseman check in. Okay. Because he's standing with his glove on his hip. He's, I can tell he's worried about the at bat that was before. So the simple phrase check in is way different than, Hey Rob, you are not focused on the game. That's belittling and berating. Mm -hmm. Check in is something that you can simply say to that person and Mm -hmm. they'll snap to it. If you've been implementing those types of training, and then right. you'll see them respond to that. Now, if you continuously get that bad body language, <laughs> yeah, you, right. seriously, at this yeah. age, you get tears or violent acts of aggression where they're acting out. Right. That kid's got to come out of the game. Right. That kid's got to come out of the game. They're not serving you, themselves, or their team yep. at all when they're in that mental state. And sometimes it's just that out of control. So, yeah, I think what the mental game has done for me as a coach has really simplified things. And and it, it, it's, I have a, my assistant's a guy that I've coached and coached, I'm sorry, I coached yep. him as a player yep. and coached with him for a long, long time. And he really helped me by being honest with me and said, you know, well, you, you don't want to practice, you don't want to practice within the game. And what he meant by that is when we're at practice, we are focused on the coach's time. 
what does the double cut look like? What does right. the front coverage look like? Mm-hmm. If you're putting that stuff in and you're doing your job as a coach, game day is their, their time. Right. So you don't want to mess up the player by, hey, lock your elbow in. You're casting your arms out here. Right, right, right. Your, your footwork is terrible because that stuff's supposed to be taken care of in practice. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, there are, again, things that we can return to to help get the player back to performance because you would not put them out there right. if you didn't think they could do the job. Right. So overcoaching them and, again, paralysis by analysis mm-hmm. totally – takes that person off of their game versus simplifying things like saying something like check in or when we were talking before at the plate. Hey, Rob, see barrel. Right. Right. Routine. Right. And it's just these little catchphrases that. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's putting and it's putting, you know, I like the phrase a lot, putting people in the position to succeed. Right. And accentuating the positive and hiding the negatives. Right. So what it sounds like to me a lot of times is even in the mental approach that you guys do in your pregame warmups of being able to just visualize succeeding before you do it. Right. Or visualize, because as we've talked about, even off air, you know, you go into a game and you hear kids talk about all oh, this kids throwing 95 and you've already put yourself mentally out of the game before you've even taken a swing because you think, well, this kid's going to blow gas right by me. I've got no chance. So to be able to break down those barriers for, for let's be real, they're kids for the most part. Right. So to break that down into kind of, you know, get a peek behind the curtain almost to say, listen, you're all human. And it's, it's putting yourself in that mental state to succeed before you've done it physically, I think is so, so important into, into seeing that success on the field. Are there any, is it just in general, the game? Cause it, it is so mental and it's, it's weird that we're talking about it like this, but are there tangible results that you can point to, or that you are able to point to after a game and go, Hey, listen, that was a great double. And you know why you did that on an O2 count is because of the reasons why, right? You noticed how you calmed down. You notice how all of a sudden you took a moment and then all of a sudden, look at that, your swing, you followed through with your swing. You were confident. Are there tangible results that you can point to game to game or uh, during practice? You go, Hey, remember that? You know, that's because of this 100%. And I'll tell you why. This was something that I began practicing and implementing in 2017. Um, we've had one of our former players on here, Noah Fisher. Yep. Noah talks about it. And I know you heard him say it mm-hmm. when we were talking off air about some of the struggles that he had to go through. Mm-hmm. And when you see it occur in an at bat and you watch it, you know that it's rubber hitting the road type of a thing. But as far as statistical results will go, yeah, this is the first, I've had this group with me. um, There are four of them that I've had since 2018. So 18, 19, we abruptly got canceled in 20 and now 21. Mm -hmm. And they've heard this message and practice this message over and over again. And it's trickled down. Mm -hmm. Our two strike approach is significantly greater. I don't want to spout off a statistic and be wrong, but I'm going to right. tell you right now, our walks to strikeout ratio has flipped from being, let's say it was mm-hmm. 10 walks to 20 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's now 20 walks to 10 strikeouts because the, the players are buying in and the results are there. Mm-hmm. We, we do not two strikes. Seriously, Rob, a couple of years ago, we're like an automatic out. It was just like, they, they didn't really deal with it real well. Right. And now I'm, I'm seeing them reap the rewards. So there's a lot of instances where you see it in flash mm-hmm. moments. Again, mm-hmm. it's not a hundred percent fail safe for sure. But more often than not, if you do things like this, they're going to benefit your program. And you know, it, you, it, it, it's weird 
I, I, there's no other, there's no other adjective to describe it. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. Like when you come to the ballpark and you are the visiting team, like for instance, tomorrow Lakeview is going to come to our park. They'll probably arrive there at three 20. And then at three 30, you're going to see Lampier high school go out the left field and their entire team is going to lay down on the ground <laughs> and their hats yeah. are going to be over their head right. and their coach is going to be guiding them through a guided meditative practice. Right. And I guarantee you Lakeview is going to be like, look at those weirdos. Let's blast them. Well, right. fine. But guess what? What we're doing is we're already mentally training ourselves to not care about what you think, right. to not care about what you do, yep. because that's our approach. That's something that can benefit us. Mm-hmm. And um, that Jaeger sports that I, you know, everybody should go on it. There's examples of coaches who have taken photos of their team and have sent them in. Like, this is right. us. This is us preparing for this game. And they're literally laying on the ground. It looks like a sleeping. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And so, look, I, I know that it works. I've applied it in my own life. You know, I'm talking parenting. I'm right. talking marriage. I'm talking workplace. You can take the, think about it. Think about this. Think about your boss coming down on you. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the workplace. Yep. And you're, you, everyone's initial reaction is mostly defensive or Absolutely. anxiety ridden. Like, Oh no, the boss right. just sent this to me. What am I going to do? Can you imagine if you had a technique of saying to yourself, okay, that sucked. And I'm being criticized right now. Mm-hmm. I'm in a red light moment, but what do you need to do? You need to fix it. So right. how can you get back to green light so that you can perform your job? Right. So you can perform your marriage so that you can perform parenting right. instead of reacting to an already Mm-hmm. difficult situation. And so that's why I tell, I mean, that's where the buy-in I think comes in is that yeah, the kids, I tell them, Hey, you're going to use this for the rest of your life. If you absolutely, apply well, it's with sports in general. Right. And I liken it to, I have a technique too, where it's, you know, when, uh, when another coach or the head coach, right. Uh, on a coaching staff that I'm on or whatever, they, they get on a kid for a mistake or something like that. And I make it a point to pull that kid. And I say, don't listen to the tone listen to the message because I think sometimes that that's part of it too. Right. And for kids at any age, right. When they're in the sport, it's, you never want to play bad. You never want to do bad. You never want to make a mistake. We're human. It's going to happen, but it's how you cope with that and move on. And those techniques that you've outlined here today are the things that I think players can really start to leverage in day-to-day life. It's, it's no different than anything else we have in sports, learning how to fail, learning how to succeed, learning how to succeed properly, (laughs) learning how to, you know, how to be part of a team, how to rely on somebody, how to be relied upon. All of these things are transferable throughout life. Um, Last thing here before we wrap it up, though, is from a player perspective, Mm -hmm. is there something you can tell a player right now listening to this to say, listen, if even if you think the last 40 minutes we've been spouting off bullcrap, what is something that they should at least attempt to do, whether it's take a minute before the game, something that they should try in their, in their, you know, just for the regular season, even just say, try this and, and see where it takes you. Simple, simple word would be breathe. When okay. you are faced with a situation that seems to be bigger than you are, you got to slow things down and you have mm-hmm. to breathe. So mm-hmm. that'd be probably the easiest thing. Yeah. But I do want to vouch for two books that completely changed my life from teaching it. And I'm going to, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go on to Amazon and make sure I get it 100% right. <laughs> there is um, Amazon. You can buy this book and uh, it's called Heads Up Baseball 2.0, okay. five skills for competing one pitch at a time. I have it. I have, I have given the book to my players and I have had them read it 
and they have, you know, brought it back to me and then I'll pass mm-hmm. it along to another player. Um, that's a great coach's gift, you know, that you mm-hmm. can pass along to a, a player. And I really believe that if a kid read this book, it's, it's really cool. It's got real examples, comes from real people uh, in the big leagues that tell you about what they do. And I'm talking like real practical stuff. Right. So it, it talks about how you, you know, own it, how you know it, how you take responsibility for it. Right. And if there were one thing that I would really suggest, I would say to the, to the players, any player, every player, buy Heads Up Baseball 2.0 by Ken Revisa, because if you do this, you are going to be a better baseball player as a result of it. That's the first thing. Okay. The second thing is I would recommend then to any coach to buy Harvey Dorfman. Um, his book is called Coaching the Mental Game, Leadership Philosophies and Strategies for Peak Performance. Coaches, you can buy this right now for $10.75 on, on Amazon. All right. $10.75. That you can, there was an example. My my JV coach on Friday was reeling. He was absolutely reeling. He had had a rough go with a bunch of his players. And I used a chapter from this, passed it along to him. Then just to make sure that he really truly understood it, I gave him the chapter and I said, look. I, I didn't make this stuff up. This is right. from a guy who's got his degree in psychology. Right. He knows what to read the chapter for yourself. And it allowed him to, in this case, he had he had realized that he had to break down the message he was trying to send into smaller groups and was able to meet face to face and head on with some of these these kids. And so it was about coaching their mentality. It right. wasn't about the behavior. We gotta get past the fact and remember that especially when we're coaching, you do not have clones of yourself. Right. And in a lot of cases, coaches forget their own flaws. Yeah. Like, right. you know, and, and I've tried to be cognizant of my own flaws. I think that's a strength that I have. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, I, I, let's say I, I didn't always perform at the highest level. I didn't right. always react at the highest level. I, I still don't. There's right. still flaws that I have. Mm-hmm. But if I'm working toward correcting those things, then I'm going to be a better coach because of it. So that book by, um, uh, in that case, Harvey Dorfman, yeah. Coaching the Mental Game, you, you honestly can pick up so much information from that. I would encourage any coach to get it, and that will give you the tools to start to implement that, along with listening to those podcasts. Like I said, yeah, Jerry's sure. podcast and also uh, Brian Kane's podcast will get you right in that locked-in mindset. Right. I mean, you know, we, there's so much good stuff here. I could talk to you about this stuff for hours if we really wanted to, but I mean, you know, if you're looking for something like that, obviously coach recommends a couple books, a couple podcasts, but even take a look at this one, right? If you, if you want just that quick five minute, Hey, we need a pregame routine to kind of re-implement some of the teachings we have going on in practice. Coach Woolley just broke it down for you minute by minute, literally. So it's something that I plan on approaching for all sports, whether it's not just baseball, but football, basketball, whatever you're into, whatever your vibe is, it's applicable. So this was great stuff, coach. Uh, but that's going to do it though for this week though. Next week, we're going to be go- digging into the, uh, the, uh, st- the world of umpiring, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yes. That's who we're going to have a couple special guests on that. So instead of being in front of the plate, we're going to be behind the plate. So it's going to be an interesting take for sure. But for this week though, that's going to be it. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of the state champs extra inning podcast for coach Adam Woolley. I'm Rob Mendeika saying thanks for tuning in and join us next week on the state champs extra inning podcast.